All right, welcome to SEC Football Live here on that SEC Podcast YouTube page, 440 Sports YouTube page as well. Her name is Aaron Dugan. My name is Braden Gall, and we thank you, Michael Bratton, for inviting us and joining us on this here show every single Tuesday at 1 o'clock Eastern time, noon Central Standard God's time. And if you want to jump in the comments and ask questions, we are here to be with you 18 days away from college football. Mike, you thank, Michael, thank you so much for, for having us, for joining us. I am looking forward to the 2023 season. It is going to be spectacular. Yeah, I hope we're live. I don't know if I set this up properly, if anybody can hear me or not, but uh, looking forward to it. <laughs> it. Jump into the comments if you cannot hear us. But uh, here's what. How look, do we look, find out? Here's It looks like it's up on Twitter, so it looks like we're good to go. Uh, there we go. Go Big there Orange. We go. Uh, go Big Blue. We got Hottie Toddy already in the comments. This is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, so this and- is dangerous. Talk to these people. Yeah, yes. So uh, here's the deal. Uh, for those of you that are watching on that SEC podcast YouTube page, I thought we would introduce ourselves. I know I've been on with you, Michael, a few times, but uh, I thought, Aaron, I'll introduce Aaron here first and just say, look, if you don't like my takes and you enjoy making fun of me and busting my shit, then you are going to love Aaron Dugan because she has been doing that for the better part of 15 years. Welcome, Aaron Dugan, to the show. <laughs> this all thank you all of that is true and it is one of my favorite if not my favorite pastimes that's it that's all you're gonna say you're not gonna introduce yourself or tell anybody that you worked at an sec program for 10 years and you worked in the media and you know you got to tell people who you are aaron and she's frozen live television michael oh live perfect television <laughs> the, sh- the show's already improving all right I'm just kidding, but taking shots at her when she's not here to defend herself. Uh, I, I don't think but, she can hear us or see us, so we're good. No, she can't. So I, I honestly, truly, I, I you know, I, I think being able to talk with you guys about stuff and today on the show about about games that are happening. I know, Michael, you don't want to talk realignment. Uh, I know you guys covered that. You and cousin Shane covered that on on one of your episodes this week. I know you don't want to talk about it, but I do think there is one. SEC implication that you guys did not cover on your episode. Uh, And I think we can get into that here in just a little bit. Uh, I had a chance to force my family to go see the new Missouri practice indoor practice facility (laughs) (laughs) on vacation because, you know, that's what one does uh, on vacation. Uh, But really, and and we'll get into who we think are going to be potentially overachieving this year in the SEC. I think that's our main topic today on the show. I'm fascinated by coordinators, quarterbacks, the marriage of systems and the offenses. And every report, every practice report, Michael, every single one, great. We're going to be 12-0 and 0 this year. Quarterbacks are perfect. Coordinator's new system is perfect. Receivers are off jumping out of the gym, catching balls. No one can cover us. System is perfect. Not a single negative practice report in the entire conference right now, buddy. Not one. Right. Well, that's true, Braden, but, hey, this is the season of optimism. Everybody's going undefeated. You know, we're 12-0, we're and, 0, and uh, yes, you're exactly right. I mean, that is the reports, but and, and I certainly don't try to pretend like I'm the insider of insiders or anything, but as our show grows, people reach out to us. So when you hear something on, on one of these shows that I'm saying – you know, this team's fired up or this player's doing well or this coach is doing well. This is information coming to me. So I, I get what you're saying, but, man, why why be pessimistic, man? Well, We're going no. undefeated. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm not talking about your show. I'm saying, like, in the ether, right? Like, out there in the in – the, in the, is it the X sphere, the Twitter sphere? And, by the way, share the show. Tell somebody about us. Follow us on the socials. You can get to me at Braden Gall at 440 Sports right there. Uh, and you guys know all about Mike. I, I think – that like, you know, your job working in the Arkansas information department is to promote Arkansas football and to put out Kentucky had a an unbelievable highlight package of Devin Leary just just chucking it all over the field. And it, it is just sort of part of the, the 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 time of the year where everyone's really excited. So we'll get to the teams that we are actually excited, things that we actually think are going to happen, overachieve, which offenses do we like? That'll be the vast majority of the show. I do want to uh, quickly mention the realignment stuff, and I know you guys talked about it. And for those of you on this well, before page, you get into it, is Aaron coming back? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is the, I've had some pretty short uh, experiences <laughs> with, with women, but that was that's an all time right there. I mean, that was like 10 seconds. <laughs> I don't I don't I have 
I have a few follow-ups. I'm not sure we should ask those okay. questions to you about, about how short 10 seconds last. Um, but no, I think, uh, shit. <laughs> um, I, what was I going to ask you about? Realignment. Uh, I realignment. Guys, yeah. Go I know for you guys it. talked about it on, on your Sunday episode and I, you guys covered a lot of it from like the SEC's perspective. And I think what's interesting is, is one thing that we have not mentioned. I know you, you guys played Eli Drinkwitz's comments about that. Jimbo Fisher's had a bunch of comments about this as well. It does ring a little hollow to me that they are now willing, you know, especially at Missouri and A&M <laughs> after taking the bag to leave the big 12 and come to the SEC after Jimbo leaves Florida State to come to Texas A&M for a huge paycheck, that they're now defending the student-athletes. I, I think they're both right. I agree with them. But I think it was ironic that they're two that are sort of outspoken about this. I think the one thing no one's talking about is th they are investigating changing the playoff rules because of the death of the Pac-12. And if they do change the playoff rules, that is going to be good for the SEC. Because if they reduce the number of automatic bids from six to five or to four or to none. Hell dude, SEC is going to get four five, six teams in almost every year. Mm. So I, I think there is, there is some like, I know not everybody on this page cares about Oregon state beaver football, <laughs> but it, it, there is an impact on the SEC and there's a chance more teams get in because the rules could be changed, which is good news for those of us in this part of the country. Well, it's pretty hilarious, all these people coming after Drink for speaking the truth. I mean, my guy, I didn't realize he moved Missouri to uh, the SEC 10 years ago when he was a GA at Auburn, but I guess he's to blame for that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just think that's stupid. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in some aspects, I get it. I don't know why we pretend that uh, Oregon State is on the same level as Alabama and Georgia and all these teams. But Who, who says that? Uh, all these people bitching and complaining about, oh, the death of the Pac-12 and oh my God. I mean, w when are those teams relevant? The only time they're relevant is when ESPN and, you know, hyping up Southern Cal and they go out here and lose three games. You know, Look. like I don't give a damn about any of those teams and they're <laughs> soft as hell. They never do anything. Mm. I, a lot I get of Gators it. comments right now that, that found out how soft Oregon State was last year. Bullying. Well, I mean, hell, half the team didn't play and, and they've didn't they whip the champion of that conference two years in a row? And they're going to no, whip they them. They they're going to they're going to whip them here in a, in about two weeks' time. And you know that'll probably be the champion once again. Even though Southern Cal's getting all this hype and they got this great quarterback that loses to Utah twice and loses to Tulane. So I don't care about any of that. Uh, I mean, I mean that, those are garbage teams, man. Well, okay. So that's your opinion. I love college football. I'm I've lived in the South for 36 years in the footprint here. I'm 41 years old. I went to an SEC school. My oldest daughter is a, a, already an absurd SEC football fan. I don't know how a six year old could be that stupidly obsessed with SEC football, but she is. Uh, maybe it's because I'm in, I'm indoctrinating her uh, early. Um, <laughs> Florida, no, I I agree. My my point is is that I can enjoy all things of college football. You say when do I care about Pac-12 football? Every Saturday night when the SEC's done playing. I, my wife's asleep. My kids are asleep. I get to pour some whiskey, take my pants off, and watch Pac-12 after dark. I like college football. I like all conferences. It, they're not the best. The SEC is the best. The SEC has the best teams and the best coaches and the best fans and the most money and the, the most most attendance and the most championships and the most, best players in the NFL. They have every checkbox. There's no there's no box that's not checked by the SEC. It doesn't mean you can't also enjoy other things. So well, while you're watching Pac-12 highlights, whatever the hell that is, I'm rewatching the SEC on CBS for the second time that day and, and picking up uh, all the information I can from that game. So, more, hey, more power to the Pac Pac-4, whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> well, I don't, it's I don't know why we're it's wasting fine. time talking about those no, those losers. The only thing that matters is that it could get more teams into the SEC. That is what that is what could matter is yeah. more SEC teams could get into the playoff because of what's happening. Yeah. Now, the one the one thing I would caution, and I've talked to Feinbaum about this, and I know you've talked to him a lot too, it, all of this is heading towards a, a, a break apart from the college football world. And I don't think SEC fans would ever stand for anything other than like a North-South division. Like you can't call it anything but the North and the South. I don't think that we'll ever give up on that branding, nor should mm -hmm. we. But if that does happen, I've Feinbaum has said this to me. He said it on, on, on our show that there, there are some sec teams that may not be above the fold. And that is something to think about. It doesn't mean it's happening right now or in 10 years, but just something to think about. And I would say that's probably Vanderbilt, Missouri, 
I, I don't think anybody else will qualify, but I think it's those two, unfortunately. So they may not be above the fold. If Clemson and Florida State come calling, there's a chance that if there's 50 teams that break away that Vanderbilt and Missouri, for example, aren't included. I don't know. I don't well, know. Just, just throw well, it out. I, I learned today you hate Missouri now. Who, who else are we going to alienate on our debut show here? I hate, I hate you, Missouri, so much so that I made my wife and children. I was up in the Ozarks this past weekend taking a break before the, before the girl goes to kindergarten. And we were at the lake house and we were just enjoying ourselves, doing some fishing and, you know, having a good time hiking and swimming in the lake. And I made them go through Columbia because <laughs> you go through St. Louis to get up there from Nashville. We're here in Nashville. And I said, I said, I said, honey, we're like 20 minutes outside of Columbia. Can we just go in there and eat some lunch and I can check out the, the, the brand new practice facility, which, by the way, my two daughters broke into. <laughs> it was great. I got a picture of them in the practice facility and uh, it was really, really nice new building. It's the only thing around the stadium that really looks SEC ish, honestly, like it's that facility looks great and it is big time. I know cousin Shane's big on Missouri. I'm high on Missouri this year. Uh, there's some things happening there that are positive, uh, but it's got a little sleepy town vibe to it. It's a cool town. Got some good pizza places, but otherwise, you know, I forced my wife to stop it. Go, go check out the, 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 the stadium there, Faro Field, Field in uh, in Columbia there. So we'll see. Did you get, did you get to touch the rocks or anything? I tried. I was like holding the five-year-old up in the air, like over the top. I was like, see those rocks right there, honey? That stands for Mizzou. You see that? <laughs> that M right there. It's a Missouri. My five-year-old looked at me like I was fucking incredible, like insane. It's like, what are you doing, dad? Like, why are we here? Yep. Like, it's an SEC football stadium. I wanted to see it. So, so it was fun. Uh, the facility, though, is very nice. The, 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 and it, it work, it opens up right to the locker room, right into the field. Like it, it'll be a really nice recruiting asset for Eli Drinkwitz. So, uh, but there you go. Uh, Chris says Feinbaum is right 50% of the time. He barely knows how to send a text. <laughs> I don't, I think he's a better texter I, than that. Don't you think? Yeah. I plead, I plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> um, going for three and 23. Enjoy both of your shows, Mike and Braden. Shout out. To the Tennessee Homer cousin Shane, yes, uh, obviously we do appreciate. It. I'm, first of all, I'm glad you survived this weekend. I saw, oh, yeah. I, I saw that 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 nonsense. Um, and first of all, cousin Shane, you gotta wear a seatbelt, bro. You gotta be a seatbelt <laughs> guy. You can't not be a seatbelt guy in 2023. <laughs> Shane Shane does things a little bit differently. I think people have picked up on that. I I like Shane. I'd like him to stick around, so I'd like him to wear a seatbelt, please. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, I think you hit on something there, Braden, with Missouri and overachieving. That's what I really wanted to talk to you about because this is the optimistic time of the year. Who Who is a team that you are guaranteeing to the audience right now will overachieve out of the SEC this fall? And you could say Missouri, even though you hate them. Uh, who's that team for you right now? Yeah. I also hate South Carolina, and I hate what? Mm -hmm. Who else do I hate now? Texas A and M, and you hate half the stamp conference. Why? Why are yeah, you covering yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. Um, are we? I guess my question is based on what expectation. If I'm going to base it on your expectations of Alabama, then I'm going to say Alabama is going to overachieve. If you're going to pick them mm -hmm. to be third or fourth in the division, I think no, Alabama. Let, let's go off how the media voted them. I think it, or either that, or coaches you know, poll, whatever. Ath Athlon, you know, or coaches poll, what? It, I, I'm an outlier. I know I'm I'm kind of uh what do they call it? An idiot savant. I I'm I'm one of those. I don't know which one I am, but I think most I think people second, second part. I think it's the first one. But uh so let's not go off my crazy rankings. Let's go off, you know, what is the the more consensus of, of where these teams are currently projected. Like so the coaches poll came out this week and I thought Florida at twenty seven like that seems too too high south carolina at 26 that seems too high the teams that i like behind them are the ones that i like and mm. that's kentucky that's uh ole miss that's uh, arkansas i thought they were all ranked too low in the coaches poll they're sort of in those like high 20s low 30s and i thought you know arkansas and kentucky i think are going to be better than like the 30th best team in america like yeah. I, I think like, if they if they both have nine wins they're more like 12, 11, 13, 15-ish, somewhere in there. Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think my biggest reason is coordinators. I, I think I think Kentucky is better because of its coordinator and quarterback combination. I think Arkansas is better because of its coordinator and quarterback combination. I think Dan Enos, for short term, will bring some NFL style to K.J. Jefferson. I think Liam Cohen does the same thing with Devin Leary. 
the weapons around those guys are really nice. The offensive lines need to be better, but like, I think those are two teams that I think if you, you know, if you told me whatever they're ranked in the poll, 28. Oh, wait, she's back. Hold on. Here. Hey, there she is. Lord, hey, help us all. Oh, wait, I did. I did three. Do we like that better? Sorry. Hey, if you guys want to jump in the comments and tell us what you like better, you can do it. Like you can, you can tell My us what massive you like. Head Braden here. can have Braden can be the point of the pyramid if he wants to be. <laughs> okay, let's see. I believe people. Uh, Volstein says I believe people giving Kentucky too much hype. So look, you, like if if you rank Kentucky thirty first in the country, I am going to tell you that's that they're going to overachieve that, and I think you agree with me, Mike. Thirty first, uh, yeah, but. Yeah, because, I mean, I've said it. I think they could be the most improved team in the SEC. I think they will be short of uh, maybe A&M, the most improved offense in the entire SEC, if not the country, because they were so god-awful behind that offensive line. And I don't need to bash Will Levis any more than I already have. But, uh, I mean, they're singing the praises of Devin Leary up there. I'm hearing the, you know, behind the scenes, just they've been in love with him for a while. They got the weapons. Got to get uh, that offensive line, obviously. Got to get that rolling. But there's a reason, Braden and Aaron, that I keep saying the biggest trap game on the entire SEC schedule comes late in the year when Alabama goes to Kentucky. I think Kentucky stands a lot better chance than people realize. They may be 7-1 and one, uh, by that time when Alabama comes to town. I, I think Alabama needs to be on upset alert in Lexington. Hmm. I, I, I want to be with you on that, dude. I really do. And I'm, and I'm with you on That's Kentucky tough for me too, but yeah, I mean, I, that'd be, that'd be very exciting, but <laughs> let me throw up the schedule real quick here. Cause I don't want yeah, to do get, that. So, I mean, yeah. all these games are winnable aside from at Georgia for, for Kentucky, in my opinion. Does it concern you that, well, I mean, I guess that's not, it, it could be worse. Like you could have worse games leading up to that Alabama game. If you're Kentucky, like Tennessee is not going to be easy. No one's saying Missouri is easy either. And, you know, I guess we really don't, exactly know about Mississippi State so it could be worse going into the Alabama game it's not like your Georgia Alabama like back to back but I, I don't know I guess it's kind of middle middle range toughness they, they, leading up to that and November 11th game they get a lot of critical games at home this year Florida yep. you see it there September 30th Florida Missouri Tennessee uh, here's my thing about the Alabama because Alabama has to play at Mississippi State early in the season as well like sort of in a trap game situation because that that game, November 11th, I believe, is the one following for Alabama. It's the one following LSU at home, right? So, yeah, loving there, these there, graphics. There Mike. you go. Thank there you. you go. So, like, if you look at the schedule, right, September 30th, at, they, they're going to beat Ole Miss on the road. Then they have to, and they got the AM game on October 7th. The trap game there is at Mississippi State. The trap game late in the year for Bama is at Kentucky. I agree with with what you're saying, yeah. Michael. But, but I I, I am. We say that all the time about teams like Kentucky and Mississippi State against Alabama, and they just never, it never fully comes to fruition. Like that level of talent doesn't normally turn into the trap game. Does that make sense? Like o Ole Miss did it a couple of times with Hugh Freeze, five turnovers one time. Like LSU can do it because they can recruit. AM can do it because of Manziel and because they can recruit. Tennessee can do it because of Hooker and they've and recruited. Like, I, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it feels what, like those are, those are, Sorry, Braden, I didn't mean to cut you off. But what's this? What's what would be the level of shock difference between Kentucky winning that game and Tennessee winning the game against Alabama that we just saw happen? Like, what would be the difference in shock value? <laughs> you mean right? from last year? Yeah, I would be more shocked at Kentucky. Well, totally. But like, how how much more shocked? Significantly. One Bryce Young drive. <laughs> <laughs> this is in Bryce Young drive units, everyone. Thank 86, you. 86 yards. 86 yards in the final minute, 32. You know what? That's the only kind of units of measurement you could probably talk about this in. So I, we, I respect that. We got a bunch of Mississippi State people, by the way, in the comments uh, pissed off that we're not mentioning Mississippi State. I know you like them uh, a little more than than uh, maybe the pollsters do, Michael. Uh, yeah, you, I'm, with you on, I'm with you on Kentucky. That's what I wanted to talk to you about it because – they're ranked, I think, I think it's 44th in the coaches poll. And hell, I've, I'm voting Mississippi State seventh in the West. And despite what they'll, those, those great Hell State fans will tell you, I don't do that every year. I've been voting in the media poll for seven, eight years. This is only the second time I've ever voted them seventh, but it's more a product of that division. And I don't think they're the 44th team in the country. They just won nine games. They're bringing back some key pieces. I think it's disrespectful as hell that we're sitting here saying putting A&M in the poll, Florida's on the fringe, 
when Mississippi State was a hell of a lot better than them last year. We have to give them respect. I think A&M, Florida, they've got to earn that respect, whereas Mississippi State, just they're, they're totally overlooked. And I'm not saying that they'll be ranked by the end of the year, but they deserve to be there at the beginning of the year based on what they did last year, I think. Well, some of that's what you want out of a <laughs> – Aaron, what do you want out of a poll? <laughs> what do you want out of your preseason polls? Like, I, I think Texas A&M, based on talent, deserves to be in the top 25. I don't think Florida belongs anywhere near Texas A&M or Mississippi State. I think Florida is the one that I would say – and I, I love Billy Napier as a hire. I think they're going to do really good things. I just don't think it's this year. I think he's got too much work to do on, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. I, I voted Mississippi State seventh as well, but I think they could have a seven and five record. So I don't like I don't. It, it's not it's not meant to be disrespectful to them. My question is: is at seven and five in that division, are you the forty fourth best team? Are you thirty second? I I don't really care after the top. Frankly, I don't even care about the top twenty five. Honestly, like I just. Well, I mean, I it's not. That's how I rank- feel about polls. Like I don't really care. <laughs> we got we got to react to something. About. No, I know, I know, but I, I do, th- I know what you're saying about like, as a Mississippi State fan, being a little bit confused and or annoyed and or mad about just being like, well, there's other teams that haven't like totally come to fruition. Like, why do you think, why Florida and not us? And I, I totally get that. I, I, I would completely agree with both of you that Mississippi State should be ahead of Florida. Yes. I, I'm fine overreacting to that. <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with that. I would, I think Florida is 13th out of 14. In this this particular season, I don't think that should matter. This is what's weird for Florida fans. I love you. I don't think it should matter what happens. Do you love it, them? Like, tell the truth. No, I think Florida <laughs> is. I think Florida is actually playing with house money this year. I really think they are. I don't disagree. Did you like, guys see this? Uh, Shane Matthews, former Florida quarterback, he says they're going to win eight games minimum. I I would like his drugs. Right. So let, let's throw up Florida's schedule here real quick. I mean, eight wins. I, Hard. That's that's pretty hard. optimistic, you know. <laughs> they're not going to beat Utah on the road in Week One. Oh, they're beating Utah. But oh, you want some action be, on that? Yep. Beyond that, really? I think that. Mm, I don't All know right, if I'll I feel take, like that confident about it. I'll take some. They're like a nine nine or ten point underdog. I'll take some action on that. Uh, our, our first uh, whiskey wager of the of the season. I I think Florida is about building infrastructure. It's about recruiting, and if they are six and six at the end of the year, or five and seven at the end of the year, they play an incredibly difficult schedule. If that like they have to play two top 10 teams in the non-conference, nobody else is doing that. They are in a rebuilding situation, but if they have a top 10 class at the end of the season and Billy Napier's infrastructure is being built out, I just think that you're kind of playing with house money. Anything good that happens for Florida this year, to me, anything over five wins, six wins is a positive. If you're recruiting well, if you're recruiting well, man, what a, what a sad sentence that was. I mean, this is the Florida Gators we're talking about here, Braden. Championships are not just something that we hope and happens. That's the expectation. And you're saying, well, if they win five games and have a good recruiting class, we'll be signed up. And they got 11 Power 5 opponents in 2024. Oh, we. Year two is is the year these coaches need to show something. In my yeah, opinion. that's 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 sometimes too much to ask. That's a that's a very quick turnaround. I mean, that's what we all want if you're a Florida Gator. But that's just it's a, it's turning an entire football program around in two years is a, I mean, that's a pretty big ask. I I think you I think we all and myself included I'll be accounted for. I was dead wrong about this. I think we all underestimated the suckery of Dan Mullen's recruiting. Okay, I think the the like how bad it really was for Dan Mullen. I think we all I under I overestimated. I thought it was better. You're right because people so. don't talk about the state that it's left in. Like you're like, okay, you have a year, you have a rebuilding year, and it's like it depends on how bad the program was left. Like a year might not be enough. Um, and and I think that what you're saying, Braden, like did we did we really realize how Dan Mullen left the program? Like I I don't think we did. Is it now, any worse than what Josh Heupel took over at Tennessee? Uh, apparently, I mean, Pruitt, recruiting wasn't the problem, right? McDonald's bags everywhere for everybody. Like, uh, right, recruiting, but then 30 people jumped the into the portal. I mean, that's, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, are we suggest, my, if, if the argument is Josh Heupel's a better coach than Billy Napier, like, I'm not, I'm not going to fight you on that one. Well, <laughs> the, yeah, I, think, I mean, I think, yeah, his ability to get kids in, like, through the door and, I don't know. He, he's super likable would be like grazing the surface of what J- yeah. Josh Heupel has done. But culture wise, I, I don't know the difference, but 
that's I, a good I think point. The, <laughs> I think the infrastructure around Heupel is far more built up for success than Florida. Florida didn't even have an indoor practice facility until like a couple of like a year ago. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee like, was like, take like take whatever you want. We just want to be good again. Like, we'll do anything. <laughs> like, Florida's like, this This could be cool if we were like, I mean, Florida wants to be good at football, but you're right. Like, not all the things are in place for them to be great that quickly. So, like, Florida had more work to do in terms of facilities and a bunch of other stuff behind yeah, the scenes. Florida, Florida got by on Dan Mullen's in-game really awesome offenses and, and, a, and a Kyle Trask. And like they yeah. they would have made the playoff three years under Dan Mullen, like it, it's crazy to think about where they've come, and that's how bad the recruiting was. I, I do, Michael, to your point, these big coaches though that win national championships, it's in the first three years that you are showing major progress, and so that it'll be interesting. Question from Willis, by the way, says how many SEC teams do you think could potentially make the playoff in twenty four next season when it's twelve team? I there's so much unknown about this year. <laughs> God, yeah. Like, like, I don't know how to do to, that. What's LSU going to be? Are they going to be better next year? Are they going to be, or is this their year to make a run at it? I don't mm. know. There may only be two conferences in twenty twenty four. It's not. Uh, hey, the Big Twelve. People don't has, move that quick. The Big Twelve is a conference. Oh, it's is a, it? It's okay. a conference. Yeah, it exi- it does exist. Um, all right, Aaron, who do you like overachieve? Guaranteed to overachieve in twenty twenty three. Guaranteed. <laughs> Yes, we're leaving. Yes, we're reading this live, Ken. How are you? Guaranteed to overachieve. Um, okay. I guess it just depends. Well, A, that depends on where do you where do you stop? Who do you put in the you're forced to achieve category? Is that just Georgia, Alabama, and LSU and everyone else's potential to overachieve? Like are those the designated achievers and then everybody below them could be if overachieving? You're picking, if you're picking Tennessee to win the division, that's overachieving. Okay. Well, what about what about A and M? All right. We you touched on it, Michael. I think we should talk about A and M because I, I missed a- I missed a couple things. <laughs> Where were you, Aaron? Te- I don't I don't know actually. You got to feed the hamster to keep the lights on at the business. There, come on. I know. I'm I'm trying. Um, um, let's go A and M. Yeah, fill me in, uh, Mike. Mike, what did you have to say about A and M? Like, give me just a couple recap sentences. Well. I've just now got back in the good graces of uh, the 12th man, so i got to be careful what I say here. But okay. uh, I do love the hire of Bobby Petrino. I mean, I think that's perfect for what they need down there. Get Jimbo away from coaching the offense, coaching the quarterbacks, which I thought is what he was getting paid to do. But thankfully, if we can keep him out of those meeting rooms and just let Bobby Petrino do it, I think Texas A&M could have the most improved offense Maybe even in the country, it's them or Kentucky. I think is going to be the two most improved offenses in the SEC. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Texas A and M is the real deal. But of course, I, I have said that about five years in a row. No, put your I get that. Back, put your hand but back on the burner there. For I sure. think the reason that a lot of us have been able to say that or tried to say that about whether it's Texas A and M or I kind of put LSU in this category of you have the tools to do it. You got the facilities. You got the money. You got the fan base. You have the recruiting pool you have the talent already on the roster it's like can you put all the pieces together and I think that that's why A&M and and LSU have like hung in that limbo for us for so long because it's like you're literally six months away from being really good if you can just get it together and that's kind of how I still feel about A&M I think like yes like you said Jimbo giving up the offense would be is going to be hopefully a really good first start for them and then just you know they their defense is is where it needs to be as long as those things can gel and continue to gel but they're right on the cusp it's like they have it it's just like can you do it uh jay jay says what about Ole miss we'll get to Ole miss in a second because i think they're another team that we need to include in this conversation but i want to stay with a&m because i think they beat i think they beat alabama like they 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 get up for alabama they get up for alabama for 10 years and they've won more times than most people want to give them credit for I, I think they, they need a pill for the other games that they need to play because you need to get up for the other ones as well. But they get up for Alabama, and they're at home. I think they beat Bama. The question is, who else do they beat? And Can and we see their schedule again, Mike? How good of an offense. Awesome. Look at that on cue. Right I, think on they, cue. I think they go down there, and they demolish Miami. I think they're going to destroy Miami in week two. Lay the points on the road. Give me the Aggies. I, I think they're much improved on offense. I think that the question is when the schedule gets tough late in the year, 
you know, Tennessee, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU, that those are all losable games. So the question is, how strong do you finish in the second half for me? Mm. Well, we could say all these nice things about the Aggies, but what happens? And I realize this is not going to happen, but what happens? They go down to Miami and they lose yeah. by 30 points. <laughs> are we just firing everybody immediately? Or I mean, what? It depends on how many millions of dollars you have. <laughs> how 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 how, uh, how you rich have a long, are you? What, yeah, do you have do you have a direct it, line to the Saudis? Can you get it, Saudi money? Keep that's in mind true. that's yeah. week two. So what happens if they lose? You know, it doesn't have to be thirty points, but two touchdowns or more, and then Texas goes into Tuscaloosa and beats Ooh, Alabama. I think I like his that. ass is fired by Sunday. No chance. That's dude. so much money. No chance. What's the buyout right now? Like sixty-nine million. Nice, sixty, like seventy million dollars. It'll be paid by Monday. Yeah. No. Yeah, you think so? Uh-uh. You think so? I and think Texas- they got lots of money, but that's that's bigger than Texas oil money. That's what no. Braden said. That's like I think it's Saudi oil money. You're gonna need some Middle East PAC money. Is what you need to get rid of Jimbo at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen. I think first of all, on that schedule, we don't have to go back to it. But my my favorite thing about the entire conference this year is that Bobby Petrino's first game back in the SEC and Hugh Freeze's first game back in the SEC are in the same stadium. I think that's fucking awesome. So that is awesome. Give me, inject that right right here, baby. Just give it to me right here. <laughs> if they beat Miami and Auburn at home, things go, things, people start going nuts. And like, then they get Arkansas. We know crazy shit happens in the Arkansas game with AM. Then they host Bama. It's not out of the question that they are a one-loss team or if they beat Bama, an undefeated team, going into that second half of that season. I, there's no chance they, they're not going to fire him. They can't, they're not going to pay they $55 million buyout. The highest buyout mil- ever. As I would say, that's too many millions of dollars. It's just I, too I, many. How about this comment from Breaking Parallels? He, he thinks A&M could upset Tennessee. I don't even think that would be an upset. I don't you? think that's enough. I don't. No. I wouldn't consider that one. <laughs> I mean, that's Sorry. like a that's like a 50-50 game. It, I think completely agree. By the way, Shark Kansas, he makes the Saudi joke as if <laughs> half those Aggie boosters don't have Saudi connections. <laughs> they I probably know. do. Uh, but here's the thing. I am also gu- I've guaranteed two things on the show. One thing on the show so far today, that is that Texas A&M will beat Alabama. I think Alabama wins the West, but that's a topic for another show. Okay. He, I think I am guaranteeing victory for Texas A&M over Tennessee in Neyland Stadium on October 14th because I am taking my two daughters to their and my wife to their first ever Neyland Stadium experience. They have never been. Haley's ever been to Neyland? No, my daughters, Aaron. Oh, you said and my wife, by the way. Yeah, she's going and and another family and their friends. So we're taking so it's four Tennessee grads taking four children to Neyland Stadium for the first time ever in their lives and to teach them to be disappointed like any good Tennessee fan is, I guarantee Texas A&M wins that game. There's no way we're walking out of that stadium with happy children. There's no way. That's, that's, that's get, science. That's what you get for the, the Vanderbilt science. game you took Marin to this past year. Science, y'all. That's what you deserve. No, in, in real life, Michael's right. It's 50-50. Yeah, that's, that wouldn't be an upset in my mind. I th- I think my goal of that weekend was ju- would just be to bring all the kids home because I'd I'd lose at least one of them. <laughs> how many kids do you have? Why well, you're not my babysitter? Uh, uh, how many did I have, or how many do I have now? <laughs> well, I guess both. <laughs> no, how no, many do you, How many that you know of? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the real the real question, and the answer is that's between me and Jesus. Yeah. yeah how many sh- uh, How many kids should you know where they are right now? <laughs> <laughs> I have two. And I, that's all I know I have, and I know exactly where they are. Uh, and by the way, my youngest first day, I was emotional today because of the, our new show, which is very exciting. Uh, rate, but review, also, subscribe, do all that stuff. But also, both of my children are now into metro schools. They're into, into kindergarten and first grade. So I got them there with all their fingers and toes attached. I'm, I'm proud of myself. Congratulations to me. So we'll see if, we'll see if all of them survive the trip to Neyland, though. We'll see. We only have 14 <laughs> more years. Yeah. Um, I, here's my, and I heard you guys talking about this, Michael, about back to A&M real quickly that there's a lot of talk about, cause I know <laughs> I, all these coordinators, we get about five seconds of their voice, uh, at this time of year. And then we're not going to hear from them again, unless they make the college football playoff. And, and that's why there's a controversy around Stetson Ben is cause you know, Kirby smart just didn't let Todd Munkin tell us that he was just the best player at practice every day that year. Um, I, I think it's, there is concern about Bobby Petrino inside that coaching room. Not this season. I don't think it's this season that people are. Con- I don't think like 
when I say, hey, I'm worried about the volatility, it's not about right now. It's not about the first month. It's not even about this season necessarily. It's about when things get tough. And when if, if they do have the situation you're talking about and all of a sudden, you know, the offense is stagnant against, you know, South Carolina two thirds of the way through the season and they haven't scored a lot of points in a couple of weeks. Does Jimbo Fisher still have the ability to keep his hands off the wheel? That that's what I'm that's my question. I, I think if it's a, if it's stagnant, that means he's got his hands on the wheel <laughs> and we fire his ass. I mean, I think they should already fired him, but. Jimbo Again, Fisher? I, Mike, you're rich. Dude, he was one game away Mike from the playoffs. Mike is playoff so rich. He can fire Jimbo ago. Fisher. Yeah, COVID year. I don't I don't honor anything that happened there. I mean, there was right, no fans in the stands. Players were quitting left and right. There were, there were fans in Kyle Field. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> maybe that's why they were so good. That, you know? there are lots that of fans. is for sure true. For sure. Oh, so wait, hang on. Um, is that uh, Gozar says Vegas has Tennessee minus 250 on the money line against AM? Is that what you're talking about? Is that what that uh, – I'd love to know if that's what he's referring to. That that seems like a smart well, – It doesn't matter what the money line is right now. What It matters when right. they when they meet on that Saturday. And I think that Saturday will be closer to a pick em game. I really do. And I, I, I'm, I think A&M probably wins that football game because I think they'll have a big advantage on the line of scrimmage. Uh, at least that's the way I'm viewing it today. I, I agree completely. The one question that Josh Heupel's offense has to answer – and it's not just his offense. It's the other 13 or 14 teams in college football that run the same offense. When your running game gets stopped, can you win the game against players that are better than yours? That is the bottom mm -hmm. line. It's never really worked. Uh, the Alabama game was sort of this rare anomaly last year. And I would argue Hendon Hooker just being special. Hendon Hooker did things last year in that game that no other Tennessee player has ever done, including Peyton Manning. And I just think that was a special night. I don't know if you can do that consistently. And A&M's got dudes on the line of scrimmage. So that, that would be my – that I think your argument is that I would agree with you completely, Michael. I know we're supposed to disagree, but – Wait, no, I am disagreeing. What what the hell are you talking about? It doesn't work. I mean, has didn't Baylor – wasn't that like the winningest they've ever been? Hasn't Lane Kiffin turned around Ole Miss? Arkansas with Kendall Browse? Uh, T, you know, I mean – It's when you it's, line it up against – very well. No, it works – like this is why I like Tennessee have, have, having a – Excuse me. You got it. This is why Tennessee has a high floor all the time because the offense beats everybody with equivalent talent or less than talent. There's no off games. The mm -hmm. offense doesn't have like slumps, right? Like where you all of a sudden show up and, you know, you, you have a quarterback who goes like 11 for 35. Like you don't have those kind of games in that offense. They, they are almost guaranteed to hit their 35 or 38 points if, mm -hmm. they're, if they're able to do their whole offense against teams that are equal or less than which is the vast majority of teams you play every year, right. which is why Ole Miss can win a lot of games but can't win the best games against the biggest teams with the best players. It's why Georgia shut down the running game last year against Tennessee, and the offense didn't function very well after that. It, it's, it's pretty proven over time that this Baylor offense that, you're, that, that Heupel runs, Missouri, look at Drew Locke's season when Josh Heupel was the coordinator. They threw the ball everywhere, all over everybody until they played good teams. And then in the two or three good games they played, couldn't run the ball, offense got shut down. So it's about consistently beating teams with better players than you. And in the short term, Josh Heupel's job is to get better players, which he's doing right now. So that that's sort of... I mean, that, by that logic, mind. everybody that plays Georgia is just an absolute failure. And we're, we're grading the offense on a Barry Odom, Missouri tenure? I mean, I mean, what are we, what are we talking they about? Were, that, yeah. Drew Locke broke an <laughs> SEC record that year. Right, because of Heupel, not because of uh, damn. No, no, Odom. I know. I know. I totally agree. That, that that's what I'm saying. They are great. Are you saying it's because like shortcomings on the defense? Like here's my here's not because here's their like, ability to put up points. No, it's that it, it's that it they when they get when they, they face up, the best teams they just can't do it. Like this year, for example, Tennessee. I would expect them to beat almost everybody they play by a pretty large margin with a very productive offense. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the three teams that on paper have better players than them. Georgia, Alabama, and Texas A&M. That's it. Those are the only three on the schedule that have better players. And if you can run the football against those three defensive lines, then I'll then I'll acknowledge that the offense has evolved into something different. What about Does that make, the does that make sense? What about the LSU, LSU game LSU. last year? You mean without Mason Smith and uh, like I I don't think that they had necessarily the team had that won players. the West beat Alabama. Yeah, I mean they they have an elite roster. They had a better roster than Tennessee. And Tennessee beat the shit out of them. Yeah, but and it wasn't work. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what. Their because best defensive lineman didn't play in that game. Because they Tennessee every red zone trip ended in a touchdown. 
and LSU went for it on a number of fourth downs, and they got stuffed every damn time because Tennessee manned up on the line of scrimmage and beat them. So no, I I agree. I'm just saying consistently year over year over year, you you still have to show it to me. That's all. And I don't think they're better than they were last year. Tennessee's not better than they were last year, in my opinion. The LSU roster argument is strong, but I do hear both sides of this. I'm a neutral a neutral third party in this particular discussion. No, you gotta break the tie. It'll probably never happen again, by the way. I think Tennessee's overall roster is stronger. Okay, well then that's then you just made my argument for me. Yeah, I know, Mike. You just you just made my whole point. No, no, I'm saying this this 2023 Tennessee is stronger than 2022 Tennessee. Just people are looking at it as Hendon Hooker, uh, Jalen Hyatt, Darnell Wright off to the NFL. Great players. I'm not diminishing them, but I think Heupel has proven he can plug and play. And they're not going to have a quarterback near as good as Hendon Hooker, but I think they'll have better talent around him. And the, def- the aggregate, not, the, like if you average it all out, it, right. 185. I <clears throat> excuse me. I think it, one to eight, two, two to eighty-five. You're probably right. But. And the de- the defense, especially deeper, more talented than last year. So. I don't know. That that's giving me optimism uh, for Tennessee this fall. I I could be completely wrong on the defense. I'm sort of in a wait and see mode on that unit, like depth wise. I mean, again, you lost one of your best pass rushers. They've got some nice secondary pieces. I need to see some like a big like some big moments of stopping a good offense. Mm-hmm. And again, I think if you look at the timing of that LSU game was so perfect for Tennessee. Like you, first of all, you get the kickoff off a guy's face mask. It's the first month of the Brian Kelly era. Jaden Daniels hadn't learned how to play in that system yet. And Tennessee was cruising because Hendon Hooker came off a really great year the year before doing what you want to do in a growth year, which is develop in November. They developed in November the year before they come back, they're ready to go. And, and Heather says Tennessee beat Alabama, LSU and Clemson. But yeah, they suck. Well, none of Clemson's best. Defensive Thank players you, Heather. Played. Thank you. N- none of Tennessee's best offensive players played. None of Clemson's best defensive players played. I don't count bowl games. I don't think they, their, their, their results are not that meaningful to me in terms of, what happens the next year. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, Alabama beat Alabama. The, the Alabama team that everybody thinks is the worst Alabama team in 10 years under Nick Saban <laughs> and an LSU team that lost until this games. year, until so, this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. For uh, Aaron, Aaron, I don't know if Aaron knows this, but Michael thinks Bama fourth in the West. No third, third in the West. In the sorry. West. <laughs> yes. Okay. The decaying dynasty <laughs> trade. That's oh trademarked. God. I think you should trade. I think you should trademark that. Did you have like a? Did you have like a very vivid dream about this, or did you just think it? <laughs> Last time I had a vivid dream about Alabama losing a game, they won by like fifty something points. So I don't go off dreams anymore. Yeah, it's probably bad. Fourth. In can we talk Bama? Third though? in the West. Can, can third we talk in the ba- West. I want to talk Bama okay. though. I want to talk Bama. Because <laughs> I, I, I do think it's the most interesting season for Alabama, maybe in for non-Alabama fans, like I find it the most interesting that they've been forever because if they're like you say, Michael third in the West, mm-hmm. it's the first year ever that they've not won the division back-to-back seasons under Nick Saban. It, it would be a huge, huge story about Nick Saban's career. If they finish third in the West, if they win the West and they bounce back and they go 12 and 0 or 11 and one, then it's also a huge story about the dynasty not being over. Right? So there's, it's a huge story either way. I just think they go back to being 2017 Bama. I, I think I don't know if that's good enough to win a championship. I don't know if that's good enough to beat Tennessee and LSU or AM. I don't know if that's good enough to beat Georgia. I don't know if that's good enough to make the playoff. But I think they're going back to we, we are going to we have a pissed off offensive line. I think Jalen Milrow is going to be your starter in week one. I think he's going to be your all three guys play in week one against Middle Tennessee. I think Jalen Milrow is your starter in, in week two. And I don't know if he finishes the game. As your as your starter against Texas, but I think they want to line up and maul people this year and just try to make it ugly and dirty and and muck it up. That's what Notre Dame liked to do under Tommy Reese. I think they can win a lot of games that way with their schedule the way it is because a lot of those big games are at home. And mm. I, I I don't know if Mississippi State and Kentucky are good enough to win on the road. Like I don't know if they're good enough talent wise to beat Alabama. So I do think they, that Kentucky and Ole Miss are in that like that state of like. The the road away and a road. I mean, the road games and away games, or home games and away games, always matter. Like no question. But I do think that they're kind of in that pivotal period where it's like you maybe could do that if that was at home, but we're not sure if you can do that on the road. But I will say to everything you just said, Braden, a pissed off offensive line is like can be a dangerous thing. Well, I they probably wish they were pissed off last year because they weren't getting it done. In my opinion, I think that's probably true. 
And I, I think that's a, that's a nice story. That's a nice narrative that Braden has. He's not the only one that I've, hell, I heard Kurt Herbstreit said Bamba's going to win it all. And they said, why do you think that? And he said, well, I've done no research, but this is just how it works. <laughs> like that, well, that his, his life is research. He, he said that he, he said, I've done no research. Absolutely. He said, I've not looked in any, any teams. Oh, and I was like, great. okay, this is perfect. This is lines up exactly with every, all these people that put Alabama, what was it? Third in the coaches poll. They've done no research. It's just the name brand. It's Nick Saban. He's the greatest of all time. He's lost his fastball. And you can't just snap your fingers. And an offensive line that's not been getting it done is just which lost their best offensive lineman. They're not going to just turn around and be, you know, Georgia's offensive line. And they got an offensive line coach, Wolford, who when Kentucky left, they were happy. And we see where Kentucky's O-line is last year. That, That was his players. So, yeah. Um, I, again, I, I realize the talent is significantly better at Alabama, but they've, they've signed nothing but five and four star offensive linemen and they were not getting it done last year. And they had the best player in college football on the offensive side. They had the best player on the defensive side and they couldn't even win their damn division. So you can't sit here and sell me on, they're going to snap their fingers and Nick Saban's the goad and they're just going to get it done because he can't blame these coordinators anymore. I don't know if it was the coordinator's fault that they were having record setting penalties multiple times they yeah. were melting down yeah. on the road undisciplined they, i mean it's a joke yeah I, I don't know how much you've watched that notre dame quarterback they got but he i mean they brought in someone to replace his ass and then I, alabama's gonna sign him to to shore up their deficiencies at quarterback i mean i, I it's awful and I, I i that's why again i'm not sitting here saying they're awful overall they got they got a world of talent they're probably 10 and 2 at worst, maybe nine and three if that Notre Dame quarterback's their starter. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see it. I, I don't think Buckner's their guy, um, personally. I'm not projecting and, and pre- like my, if I had to predict, which is just my opinion, just like your opinion is just your, like we're all just guessing here mm-hmm. that I think they'll be, you know, closer to 11 and one. And again, racing fan and stringer, you said, that Bama travels to Stark Vegas and Kentucky. Ooh. That's what I'm. That's what. That's what I'm saying is that the two toughest outside of A and M, the two toughest road games for Bama are Mississippi State and Kentucky. And while those are both okay. very good football teams this year, they are not LSU. They're not Georgia. They're not like like even Tennessee last year. They are not those caliber of teams yet. They get all their. You mentioned it. They are they are a worse football team on the road. There's no question about that. Where's the toughest game at? It's AM. After that, it's all games that they can make a bunch of mistakes in and win because they get Texas at home. They get LSU at home. They get Tennessee at home. They get Ole Miss at home. They get all the toughest games on their schedule at home with the exception of AM. And then that last one right down there at the bottom, mm-hmm. November oh, yeah. 25th at Auburn. That could be the one that derails the entire season as well. So keep an eye on that one. But otherwise, I'm just seeing so many losses here. <laughs> God, I thought right, Braden loved a hot take. <laughs> pick the games. Damn. Pick the games. Tell uh, me A&M, Tennessee, LSU. There's your three. And hey, people are hyping up Texas. I, twice. You know they haven't lost at home since like 2018, right? They're going to yeah. lose twice this year at home? Yeah, and I'll, I've also heard Saban wins a national championship every two years or something. That, that's broken. And uh, Yeah, the the the, the Kang Dynasty is really going to show itself here. Um, the, the man just bought a eight, what is it, seventeen million dollar beachfront property. Oh, no, oh yeah, he's already. I already heard. Well, he's out. He's out the door. Va- he needs a vacation home. Well, hell, he's already got two, including one already in that state. But uh, he's moving into Tiger Woods <laughs> for a recruiting advantage. Some people are dumb enough to say that it's a recruiting advantage to have a seventeen million dollar waterfront property down in Florida. But no, I, I think Saban's already. He's got one foot out the door, and, and this season will. It'll slam that door on him. To, to me, this is the this is the responsible take on Alabama. We don't know for the first time in 15 years. That's that's the most responsible take on Alabama, and that's what makes them so interesting. You could be totally right, and they could lose a couple games, and all of a sudden, two straight years of not winning the division is a major question mark for a coach who's 71 years old. And you know, he I think judges he's 81, himself, isn't he? <laughs> fuck off (laughs) he judges himself against himself like he only competes against himself and when he's not winning and not doing his best then that's when he's he's done so you're right that side of what could happen is infinitely more interesting than ever before at alabama but also we've written the demise of the dynasty article about 10 times and every single time it's been wrong every time it's been wrong 
What happens if Pete Golding is like a revelation for Ole Miss defense and Alabama's defense be. doesn't get any better? What happens? I don't know. I like. I, just, I, I would. I would hire Kevin Steele over Pete Golding. Would you? I, he's even older than Saban, isn't he? It's, it's just the way he talks. You know, they, they've been running them RPOs and things now. <laughs> the RPOs. That long O. Football. That RPO. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. That's exactly. I just think I, th- I think Pete, I think Pete Golding is a loose cannon. How about that? <laughs> perfect. That sounds exactly like Lane Kiffin to me. Uh, much, perfect. Marriage. Much like you two. <laughs> <laughs> we do need. Should we talk Ole Miss for a second? I think we should talk. Chris, yeah, uh, I, loving the live new try. format. We appreciate you guys. I, I uh, think I that's a team to really keep your eye on. And and this is similar to Mississippi State last year, where whoever catches Georgia out of the West, people just immediately di- uh, diminish them and that's not to say that Ole Miss is is going to win in Athens I certainly don't think that although that's another trap game on my list but uh I think Ole Miss is a team to watch your eye because I, I think Jackson Dart can finish the year as the third best quarterback in the SEC mm. I think Jokins is is someone that you know people respect as as being a great running back I don't think they realize how good of a running back he is, and and I think he can take over a game or two and, and steal one that people are not thinking that uh, Ole Miss has a chance in, whether it's whether it's Ole Miss or excuse me uh, LSU or Alabama, one of those type of games. I th- I think they can win it if Jokins puts on like a Heisman level performance. Braden, who do you think is going to be the third best quarterback in the Shit. SEC, and um, is it going to be Jackson Dart? I, I'm really interested in Dart because if if you go get Spencer Sanders is a guy who played like 41 games at Oklahoma State, but he was constantly hurt and he turned the ball over a ton. Literally at one point, I think he like had 39 career turnovers, like more turnovers than any other human in college football at one point. Um, Walker Howard, I think, is the future, who's the five-star former LSU transfer. I think he's the guy who's like the superstar potentially. But Dart apparently played really well in camp. I think you're right, Michael. I, I think Judkins is a superstar. They're going to get him the ball in a, pu- a bunch of different ways this year. And it's all about – Lane Kiffin's offense is all about angles. It's all about, like, executing things, timing, perfect, precision passing. And if Dart does that, which clearly he didn't last year all the time, if he does that, then the offense takes off. And I think they're – I mean, I've got him at, like, eight and four already. But if Dart is better and is a top four or five quarterback in the conference, then they could easily be a nine-win team. And I don't know if I'm going to go Matt Corral top 10, uh, but that, that week two game is really, really big. Tulane is arguably the best group of five team in all of college football. They got to go on the road. And I think that is, you're going to learn, like if they torch Tulane, a team that beat the big 12 champion last year on the road in Kansas state, if they beat Tulane and dart is efficient and the offense looks as good as we think it can, I think that's a really big sign for them for the rest of the year. Cause there's a lot of winnable game. Like the egg bowl is a winnable game. Mm-hmm. A&M at home is a winnable game. Vandy, obviously Auburn, Mercer tech. How about Arkansas. that Auburn game though? I think that's one, not enough people are, are discussing. Cause I know Lane and Hugh hate each other and all oh, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah. I, I mean, I think for both fan bases that, that this is like a make or break game. Auburn people, they hate Lane now after <laughs> all that drama. So I, I, I realize that's not the marquee game, but I, I think that's an important one for both those programs. What do we, since there's a bunch of Arkansas fans like all up in the comments right now, what do we think about <laughs> Ole Miss, Arkansas? I mean, that game is batshit crazy every year, right? Always. <laughs> Just always. always fun. Uh, which, I mean, I, w- that game's in um, in, Ole, in Oxford, right? Like I would. Yes, I sir. Would, I, I, the problem I like, is the placement for Arkansas. Yeah, exactly. You get, if, yeah, if it that's, was, that's really tough. LSU, AM away. Oh, body away. blow. No, sorry, in Arlington, blow. but you get it. It's and then Alabama the following week. I mean, it's yeah. that's that's tough. And the so, three games leading up. Yeah, that's 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 I, brutal. <laughs> I really like this football team. I really do. But that that middle chunk, man, that can if you if they walk out of that Bama game beaten all to hell and KJ's hurt like he was last year, there's a lot of losable games in the final month of the season. But if they it, come out of that healthy. They can win a lot of those games. Just imagine, you know, we're we're probably not all thinking this is going to happen, but what if Mississippi State is much better than anticipated? What if Florida's better than anticipated? What Mm. if Hugh Freeze gets Auburn rolling because they got a lot of winnable games late? 
I mean, I love Sam Pittman. I'm the. I'm not. I will never. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even predicting this. You but. won't outfan girl <laughs> Sam Pittman compared to me. I can promise you that. But look but at all these ahead. damn games. I mean, could they yeah, could they yeah. lose six or seven in a row? I mm -hmm. mean, God forbid. Yeah. I, Brutal schedule. Yeah. No, they'll beat FIU. Uh, is that Tom Herman down there? I believe at FIU. Uh, me measuring your hydration when you pee, you know <laughs> that, that guy. Uh -oh. <laughs> Missouri's good too. Like Missouri's an interesting team. Really good defense. I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. This is the beauty of the conference this year, honestly. And I think Alabama is like the microcosm of it all. You can make the case for a lot of teams to be better than what they are expected to do in the preseason, and you can make the case for a lot of teams to be worse than mm -hmm. they were expected to be in the preseason. We are going to go into every single Saturday with a bunch of games that are like four and a half point spreads. There's going to be three games every Saturday with like a three and a half, four and a half point spread. And we're not going to have a clue what's going to happen. And that makes for hella drama in my opinion. Yep. I'm here there for we go. it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well said. <laughs> <laughs> so are we right? We are, we are what? 18 days away. And there's an actual college football game taking place in this city, in Nashville, Tennessee on mm -hmm. August 26th, a power five sec football game. Vanderbilt Commodores host your Hawaii Warriors, Aaron Dugan. I will not be here. <laughs> <laughs> just and I'm, that out. I'm, I'm serious. I don't just not, no, I would, I would go to the game if I was here, but I'm, I will not I'm, be here. Unfortunately, I'm tempted to go just to like watch football. I know Mike, you're jonesing for like actual action here. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get there too. I'm, it just feels like it shouldn't be that close. Like I'm excited, but I don't know how it's already almost football season, but I'm pumped. All right. I want you to go pick pick two teams. We'll finish up on this because the big topic today, of course, teams that we think are going to overachieve. I want you to give me on like hard and fast receipts here to the two top two teams that are overachieving. And, and it needs to be a significant overachievement. If you if they're picked to go seven and five and you pick them eight and four. OK, that's fine. But like teams that really, truly do come out of nowhere, a la Tennessee last year. Who is this year's Tennessee? And I want to know who, who are your top two, and we'll go around here to wrap things up. And by the way, thank you to everybody that jumped into the comments. You guys are great. Are y'all going records, too? No, just just pick two teams and give us a quick and just, I want Mike, receipts. Mike, you got it. You go first. Kentucky is number one for me and probably A&M. Damn it. Go ahead, Aaron. <laughs> That both here. Damn it. <laughs> well, I had AM too, but I just well, uh, what what do we do? Regroup. You can pick, you can, no, you can pick AM. It's fine. I'm gonna pick AM. I mean, too. Pick I just I just think that like the like the defense already kind of being in place with AM for all the reasons we already said. They've got the tools there. All they had to do was like get their hierarchy in a way that was working. People that can work together. We'll see how the the new OC and, and Jimbo do together, how this how this combo goes. Um, and if it, if it goes well, Petrino and, and Jimbo, I think they've, they've got it all there. There's no time to wait if they can do it. I think they could pull a minor version of an LSU because you got it. Um, and then I gotta go, I think I gotta go Tennessee. Um, mm, okay. I mean, I guess maybe even just being Tennessee of last year with what they were able to pull off would be repeating that to me would be an accomplishment. I think that we've seen like a lot of uh, like growing confidence with sure. Joe Milton. Like we, we all know his ability to throw the ball. They have like a strong ability to put pressure in the backfield. I just, I think Tennessee and what Hypel is able to do is, is got them on the right trajectory. And if they can just stay on that trajectory, I'd go A&M Tennessee. Okay, that's that's. By the way, we did not mention South Carolina in this conversation at <gasps> all. So you just, are going to be screwed. All South Carolina fans hate Braden, and now they hate job. him more. Well, they're not watching anymore. Clearly, all I know is that Aaron Dugan and Michael in. Braden didn't say a single fucking word about South Carolina today on the show. Okay, so it wasn't all my fault. Don't blame me. Sorry. Gamecocks. Well, go, uh, they've been. Beaver. They're still crying over NIL. So until they get that yeah. situated, I, I'm not too concerned. Y'all are uh, y'all are really eliminating a strong fan base. Easy now. I, I like uh, BRC Gamecock there. LSU makes the playoff. That's bold. It's not that crazy. I I think I have them. Crazy. I think I have Bama and LSU in my overall rankings, like five and six. I don't think they make the playoff right now, but I think they're like the next two teams out of the playoff right now is is potentially Bama and LSU. So I like that pick. I I am also Kentucky and A and M. Those are the receipts. 
So mm. I, I, I was going to let you go first, but I agree with you. I don't like that. I agree with you. I also, if you're an AM fan watching this, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that all three of us think you guys are going to be way better. Um, Cause Kentucky in the, the coaches poll was like 29 and or 30 or something like that. And AM was like 25th. I'm like, no, they're both going to be better than that. So um, I like Jim, all these teams. They're all good. It's ever available. Ken said Jim, we, we all know. Jimbo and Petrino got matching Harleys, according to Ken. Oh, wow. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. A- allegedly, allegedly got into a motorcycle accident. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> uh, What's the, the over-under on UGAs? All right. Shows off the rails. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part of this is when you guys take it off the rails. He's we donating do money, it. though, so whatever. All right. All right. Yeah, to, to Mike. We do appreciate that. <laughs> um, <laughs> here's the deal. Check out, of course, if you're on this this page, on, on Mike's page, that SEC podcast, of course, you got him and Cousin Shane every single day. Um, make sure you check them out. And, and, of course, if you're listening on the podcast feed, this will be over on the podcast feed, SEC Football Live. Make sure you check that out. And, again, we want you – this is a, a family affair here. Um, trying something to hang out with you guys and do some live stuff throughout the course of the year. We might have some other stuff planned for you as well, so stay tuned. Um, but but uh, otherwise, we really appreciate it. You guys were awesome. The comments, you guys were great. Come, come hang out with us. Tell people about it every Tuesday, every single week, 1 p.m. Eastern time, noon Central Standard, God's time. Come hang out with us. For Michael Bratton and Aaron Dugan, I am Braden Gall. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.